Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 137. When life without God seems rich, and I'm going to make it a shorter title to say The Lie of the Fat Cats. Now, I can tell you that recently, during the time where they had the Golden Globes on TV and they were having to do some modifications because we're in this pandemic and they couldn't be in a live auditorium with thousands of people, they decided for the nominees of the different categories to actually have them basically Zoom their self in their own house and then we would be introduced to them when they came to their category. So I know like many people, all of us found ourselves kind of snooping to see what do they have on their coffee table? What do they have in the back room? What kind of art do they have? What kind of couches are they wearing? What, you know, just what's going on in the lifestyles of the rich and famous, the entertainers, the artists, the cinematographers, the, all those people, what's going on with them? And even the next day you have people commenting, somebody's drab, somebody's exciting, but it was fun to look in and see what was going on. Well, that's something that all of us, in whatever way, maybe you say you're, you're not that person, but at some time or another, when you go to get that lotto ticket or when you go to try to get that promotion or you try to advance, you're trying to do something that's going to better yourself so you'll be in a better position as maybe something you've seen in the news, on TV, in a movie. You just want to be kind of elevated like you see other people. Well, tonight I want to strip away some of the falseness the lie of the devil when it comes to the success and the authority and the position and the power and the wealth and all these things that a lot of people are fighting every day, tooth and nail, to attain at the expense of saying, I don't really need to bother with God. I don't really need to do any of that. That stuff about Jesus, that's just not me because I'm trying to elevate myself so I can advance and get the, a piece of the golden pie, you know? I want to be, we just celebrated uh, the whole St. Patrick's Day. The pot of gold, you know it's around the corner for you and you do all kinds of things to do it. So tonight, we're going to start by looking at the liar-in-chief and his interaction with Jesus Christ when he found himself after baptism with the spirit of the living God, took him to the wilderness. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he was starving. He was hungry. But look how Satan came to tempt him. He never succumbed. He never gave in. But this is how a pattern of how Satan tempts us to get to the place of where we find that we are admiring people who are living without God or the Lord in their lives. And it seems like the rich are doing great and it's so profitable and it's so perfect. And that's what people want. So let's go. Now, tonight I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, the Common English Standard Bible a lot because I want understanding. A lot of people don't go to church. They don't hear the messages, whether it's streaming or in person. So some of the things that you hear that you've heard for years, if you've been a Bible student, you know it. But people who are just running through Facebook or running through the YouTube or running through the podcast, that's not something they're used to. So some of these things I'm going to share in different translations so I can make sure it's clear and understandable. That's the whole purpose of Milkshake Monday. It's for those who don't understand the big words to have somebody like me who's not a preacher explain it in a way that you can understand. So go to Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to show you three different temptations. And I want you to focus on the flesh, 
how Satan always attacks us in our flesh, in our weakened moments when we're by ourselves and how he always attacks trying to kill us, trying to cause us to commit suicide and to die. And lastly, the one that we're going to focus on is he always wants to offer something really important to you because you want to be all that in a bag of chips. But the consequence of what you're doing is he says to you, I'll give you this, but you got to bow and worship me. And that's a trick of the devil that a lot of people, big, wide as the gate, it says, a lot of people are finding themselves falling into this trap. And a lot of people that you say, oh, that person's a hedge farm. They got wealth. They got four car garage. They got this. They got that. Don't be fooled by the lie of the devil. So let's go to Matthew chapter four. Then the spirit of the, the spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, it is written, people won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. That's the flesh. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, since you're God's son, throw yourself down. For it is written, I will command my angels concerning you and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. That's a, a perversion of Psalm 91. But again, he's trying to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. Here's Christ's reply through the scripture. This teaches us something. Jesus replied, again, it's written, don't test the Lord your God. Here's the one that I want to focus on tonight. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I'll give you all these if you bow down and worship me. Here's what Christ replies. Jesus responded, go away, Satan, because it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him and angels came and took care of him. Now, what you have to understand about Satan is he always wants to accuse you and I before the Father because the Father loves each and every one of us so much that he gave his son and sacrificed his son so that we would have a way and a path to salvation to get back to the Father. But we can only get to the Father through the Son. So he has to find ways to get us so focused on ourselves and those riches of the land and the kingdoms of the land and the glory that he says, I'll give you that. I'll give you a taste of the mammon. I'll give you a taste of the money and the prestige and the power and the glory, but you got to bow down and worship me. Now you say, Anita, where are you getting some of this? I just read it from the scripture. He did it to Christ. He's doing it to all of us. But let's look at what Christ has as authority because the chief priests are people in the church. You would think the people that are going through bowing down and worshiping Satan are all people outside the church. That's not true. The chief priests that we see in the time of Christ were in the synagogues. They were in the temples. They were in high authority over the people. But they'd gotten so puffed up 
with power and the prestige and the glory of talking to the Caesars and talking to all the powerful folks and the governors and this these commanders and these people and the Sadducees came to talk to them and they were in charge of councils. They got puffed up and they started forgetting what they learned of the word of God in the Old Testament and scriptures and keeping their eye and being watchful and prayerful of Jesus Christ. That when Christ came, they were threatened by him because he had this authority and his power and he was healing. And that was offensive to them because they were threatened by all the people coming to him and the attention leaving them to go to Jesus. So look what it says in Matthew 21. Just a snippet so you can understand the motivations of people that even may be around the church, over some positions in the church. You have to be checking and being discerning in the spirit of God to know the motives of people. Are they about Christ's business or are they about their own business? So verse 23 starts. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him. And he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Verse 24, but Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now we know Christ did it because he is deity. He's God. The, the three triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He took on the human flesh, but he still remained deity. Jump over to verses 45 to 46, because I want you to see their motives. The motives of the fat cats, the people in power, that are not about God's power. They're about the power of what Satan wants to offer in this earthly realm. And when you bow and you worship the things that are not of God, there are consequences that are eternally of damnation and hell. But look what verse 45 says. Now when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. The people recognized who Christ was. Now, understanding Christ's authority comes from the Lord. The people that may be in authority in different places may not understand it or they recognize it, but they don't want to acknowledge it because it means they decrease as he increases and they didn't want to lose their position. They didn't want to lose their prestige, that glory that Satan was offering them, that prestige of the kingdom and the power in the temple and to be recognized and have the great robes and people kissing up on them. They didn't want to let that go. Now, I want y'all to see that God has told us some things about wickedness in spiritual high places, but I want to read 
different versions of Ephesians 6, 12, because we've read it, those of us that are in church, but people who don't know, I want you to understand what's going on in the supernatural. And when I say supernatural, I'm not talking about uh, things that you see on TV, Freaky Friday stuff. I'm saying there are things that are happening that are spiritual in nature that you don't always see with your natural eye, but it's spirits of there's God, there's God and the host of angels that work under the command of the Lord. And then there's evil and wickedness that Satan commands in this earth. And reading the different versions of Ephesians 6, 12, there's, here's a living Bible's first translation. I'm going to read it five times so you can hear it. For we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princesses of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. Now, I don't know if you understood what I said, but rewind the tape and listen again. Here's the common English Bible's version of the same thing. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. The American Standard Version reads, Ephesians 6.12, For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. The last version, the 1599 Geneva Bible. Never heard of that one, have you? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the worldly governor, the princesses of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, which are in the high places. So the places where you would see Pharaoh and his heart was hardened. You see people in authority, wickedness even around the, the world and the nation where people are murdering kids. People are letting starvation, using biological warfare, caging children. All this stuff is not just because of the person you see. It's the spiritual wickedness in the cosmic darkness of the, un the unseen world of what Satan and his dark host of spiritual wickedness is doing to manipulate because they understand we are in the last days. When Christ came, we started beginning the last days. He understands that his time is winding down. So things are happening and you have to get more knowledge about the word of God. And what happens is you're going to start to see now in Matthew 6, it talks about loyalty. You can't serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. You can't love God and mammon. And guess what, saints? In the last days, the love and evolution of mammon will become big and broad. People are freaking out about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and, and this and that. Money, money, money. Have a debit card here. You can swipe it. You can scan it. You can do all kinds of things when it comes to this money. And people want more and more of it. I heard that somebody killed a whole family over a $1,400 stimulus check that they weren't getting enough cut in their mind, murdered them. The evilness and the, the coldness of heart, God speaks to it all through the epistles of what John and Paul were writing 
Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now let's go to a couple of characters in the Bible. Many of you know these stories. You know about Cain. But Cain is showing us something about how the perversion of what you want and who you're bowing down to and worshiping. And it's the God of my. I want y'all to notice something. Uh, you find that Cain was born before Abel. So he was the older. He was a farmer. So they, that was his occupation. He was farming. But I want you to see it's my farm. It's my life. It's all this my, my, my. And the thing about it, when God and him have a relationship, God is in his life. But it comes to a time where you see a darkness come upon Cain before he murders and kills Abel. So look at the story of Genesis chapter 4. I'm reading out of the Living Translation for, for understanding. Then Adam had sexual intercourse with Eve, his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to a son, Cain, meaning I have created. Eve saying she created. Don't y'all know about Psalm 139? Wasn't it the Lord that fashioned and formed? But this word Cain means I have created. For as she said, with God's help, I have created a man. Her next child was his brother Abel. Should I take my bread? I think I just got my pages out of order. Give me a second. Abel became a shepherd while Cain was a farmer. At harvest time, Cain brought the Lord a gift of his farm produce. And Abel brought the fatty cuts of meat from his best lambs and presented them to the Lord. And the Lord accepted Abel's offering, but, Cain, but not Cain's. This made Cain both dejected and very angry, and his face grew dark and fury. Why are you angry, the Lord's asking. Why is your face so dark with rage? It can't be bright with joy if you will do what you should do. But if you refuse to obey, watch out. Sin is waiting to attack you, longing to destroy you, but you can conquer it. That's that spiritual wickedness already circling around Cain. That dark forces that you don't see, but those behaviors, those attitudes. Verse 8. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were together there, Cain attacked and killed his brother. This is grown men. These are grown men. This is not no little teenager. This is a grown man. But afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel? How should I know? Cain retorted. Am I supposed to keep track of him wherever he goes? But the Lord said, your brother's blood calls to me from the ground. What have you done? You're hereby banished from this ground, which you have defiled with your brother's blood. No longer will it yield crops for you, even if you toil on it forever. From now on, you will be a fugitive and a tramp upon the earth, wandering from place to place. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. For you have banished me from my farm, from you. Now, his farm is before God. He's talking about his punishment, but he says, you're taking me from my farm and from you. God is behind the farm. You understand that the cows and the, the produce are less than what God has in this order. You're banishing me from, he says, from my farm and from you, 
And you made me a fugitive and a tramp and everyone who sees me will try to kill me. It's about me, 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 protecting me. The Lord replied, they won't kill you for I will give seven times your punishment to anyone who does. Then the Lord put an enmity mark on Cain as a warning not to kill him. So Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. If you read those scriptures, you'll see that he married, that his wife had children, and those children had children, those children had children. I want you to go to the verse that starts, One day Lamech, this is the generations of curse that's ever going to happen. One day Lamech said to Ada and Zillah, two wives, supposed to get one, but he's already started something different. This line of Cain is already doing stuff outside the will of God. But listen what this this person that's in the line of Cain is done. Listen to me. He's talking to my wife, his wives. Listen to me, my wives. I have killed a youth. He's killed some kid. Now he's going to talk about the killing and he's going to try to put that same protection that they talked about his great, great, great grandfather, Cain, the mark and the fact that nobody should kill him or they're going to get in trouble. But he says here, I've killed a youth who attacked and wounded me. If anyone who kills Cain will be punished seven times, anyone taking revenge against me for killing that youth should be punished 77 times. That's God's decision. That's not his decision. Let's go to another character. The reason why I want y'all to see some of these characters that you read about is because the lie of the fat cat is that you can do what you want. You can earn what you want. Here, this farmer, he should have had his, he thinks he should have had everything in his own power to give God what he wanted to get. It's his stuff. He can do what he wants. And that's what's happening with some people now. You got your own stuff. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a hedge manager, you're a, a custodian, you're a teacher, you're a bus driver. All these different jobs that we have, whether you're making big money or little money, it's not all your money. It's not all your stuff. It's of God who's blessing you. But when you start to believe the lie, the fat cat, you just start to bow a little bit lower and worship Satan because Satan says, I'm going to give you all this stuff and more. You can go to the Walmart. You can go to Macy's. You can keep going. Get all this stuff I got for you. Just bow down and worship me. Forget about God. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to worship. You don't need to hear. You don't need to pray. Just, just bow down and worship. And we got a lot of folks on that path, that wide path. Nabal, can't talk a lot about 1 Samuel 25, but I want y'all to see the characteristics of who this man was. And a lot of people look at rich people, a rich man and a beautiful woman, and they look at the outward and they say, oh, they got a big old house. They got parties. They got it going on. They're kicking it. Got bling, bling, bling. Everything is great. But if you're without God, it's a lie. The riches don't mean anything because you are without God. But here's the story. And if you're looking from the outside, you say, oh, girl, Abigail got it going on. Baby, I wish I could be you. It says here, a wealthy man, starting in verse 2 of First uh, Samuel 25, Living Translation. A wealthy man from Maon owned a sheep ranch there near the village of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and was at his ranch at this time for the sheep shearing. His name was Nabal and his wife, a beautiful and very intelligent woman, was named Abigail. But the man who was a descendant of Caleb was uncouth, churlish, stubborn, and ill-mannered. 
He was a he was a pain in the butt, and nobody liked him because he was really full of himself. Y'all can get that. He's not a good person. He's bad temper, bad attitude, arrogant, full of himself. I'm breaking those words down for y'all. Okay. It goes on to say that David was protecting his his sheep and his uh lot his animals that were in the field near where David and his men were. And David wanted to get some provisions since there was this big party going on. So he sends the messenger. So at verse 11, here's the response of this man. Because rich people, they always say, oh, how do they get to be rich? Because they kept their money. And you could be selfish and not share, but that's not God's will. If God is blessing you, you need to be a blessing to others. But in this case, it's fool, Nabal, because that's what his name means. He got so full of himself of his mind. And he, he's a fat cat. He don't want to share. And that's what you see some of these people, even in our nation of America, United States of America, that we see immigrants that were disdained because they're trying to take from us. I've heard people say, I don't want to pay for them. I don't want to pay for their care. I don't, ah, ah, ah. It's a my, my, my. And what you think you're holding on so tight that you don't want to share and be a blessing, God will take it. Verse 11 said, this is a response Nabal was giving to David, should I take my bread, there's a my, my water, my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a gang who comes from God knows where. Now, here's the thing about some women, beautiful, intelligent that Abigail was. And some, some women, I've been in a bad relationship before, that when you find yourself with people who don't want to be submissive to God, don't want to have a relationship with God as, as Christ says, be, you know, don't be unequally yoked to unbelievers. But when you find yourself going down that road, intelligent, beautiful, with destiny, with all kinds of promise, Satan tries to derail you because you are putting yourself in a position where you're lockstep with a fool to believe that there's no God. You are a fool is what the word of God teaches us. And this beautiful Abigail has found herself with a man that He's not a good man. He's not a godly man. He's a, a man that is full of himself. We don't know that she was an abused wife in a sense of physical, but the way that they've described him, bad temper, drinking, those are kind of things that behaviors that don't come out with good endings with women who are beautiful and intelligent with a destiny and they get derailed. And here we go. You're making excuses for bad behavior. And that's exactly what she does when she starts talking to David but it's going to work to her favor. Verse 24 is talk, Abigail talking to David because he's getting ready to come kill Nabal. I can't tell y'all the whole story. I accept all blame in this matter. She had nothing to do with it, but she's tied up with a fool. I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord, she said. Please listen to what I want to say. Nabal is a bad-tempered bore, but please don't pay any attention to what he said. He's a fool, just like his name means but I didn't see the messengers you sent. Sir, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, I pray by the life of God and by your own life too that all your enemies shall be as cursed as Nabal is. Cursed as Nabal is. We got to run. We're going to run over to Malachi because I want to talk about this curse. Many people have heard that teaching about will a man rob God and they get focused on the tithes and offerings and very true. Everything that God has given to us is first fruits. He expects for us to tithe, give a tenth of that income and offerings above and beyond the tenth. 
people stop at that part, but I want y'all to read something. Because of time, I'm going to start at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Surely not. And yet you have robbed me. What do you mean? When did we ever rob you? You've robbed me of the tithes and offerings due me. And so that awesome curse of God is cursing you. For your whole nation has been robbing me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. If you do, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. Your crops will be large for I will guard them from insects and plagues. Your grapes won't shrivel away before they ripen, says the Lord Almighty. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land sparkling with happiness. These are the promises of the Lord Almighty. Now here's verse 13 and 14. Because this is what's happening in the country. In the nations. In the globe. That have forgotten God. Verse 13 says your attitude. Remember Cain's attitude? Nabal's funky attitude. Our funky attitude of arrogance and pride. That we don't really need God. We can take the riches, but again, that's that loyalty. You can't love God and mammon. You're going to hate one and love the other. God says, your attitude toward me has been proud and arrogant, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said that we shouldn't have? Listen, you have said, it is foolish to worship God and obey him. What good does it do to obey his laws and to sorrow and mourn for our sins? From now on, as far as we're concerned, blessed are the arrogant. For those who do evil shall prosper and those who dare God to punish them shall get off scot-free. That is what's happening. Not just in the United States of America, but around the globe. We have forgotten, God, that we're so puffed up in our innovation and our smart intellect as we think. And we don't recognize that God is the God of all. Now, let's go quickly. Acts 5, I taught it a few times. Ananias and Sapphira is another situation where a woman and a man are associated with church. They seem like they want to do the right thing with their money and their possessions, but the devil gets in there and the devil if you're not careful will get into a place where you're like that's mine I'm doing well and I give church a little bit of I ain't giving them all that and God is saying okay even Peter says back to him when you had the crop it was yours when you sold the when you had the proceeds it was still yours but you decided you want to play games and some people are playing games they want to look like they're doing all that. You know, I see people say, oh, I done done this, I done done that. But God says, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. You don't need to brag about what you're doing if it's from your heart. But these guys were not doing things as from the heart. It says, but there was a man in, in chapter 5 of Acts, starting with verse 5. But there was a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira who sold some property and brought only part of the money, claiming it was the full price. His wife had agreed to the deception. But Peter said, Ananias, Satan, there you go, that wickedness, Satan has filled your heart 
When you claimed this was the full price, you were lying to the Holy Spirit. The property was yours to sell or not, as you wished. After selling it, it was yours to decide how much to give. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. That's what people are doing. They're lying to God. They think they're lying to the preacher. They think they don't, you know, y'all call this first lady. I'm just a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm married to the preacher man. I'm Anita. You don't have to put on no airs of me. Don't get yourself in trouble with God. It's God. These people think they can lie to us, but don't lie to us. We're just people. We're just saved by grace. You don't want to lie to God about what he's given you. You don't want to be under the curse. Nita and Rev can't curse you, but God can. You got to be humble before him. Don't be proud and arrogant. It says this verse five, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor dead. Everyone was terrified and the younger men covered him with a sheet and took him out and buried him. Again, a woman roped up into the wrong situation with the wrong man doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, did you people, did you people sell your land for such and such a price? Yes, she replied, we did. Peter said, how could you and your husband even think of doing a thing like this, conspiring together to test the spirit of God's ability to know? This is the thing we don't understand. This is the spirit of God's ability to know what's going on. Do we really think when you read Psalm 139 that he's everywhere? Why do you think that you can lie to God in his face, in his house, even at your house? I don't feel like going because I don't feel good today. I don't feel like going because I don't have a gas. I don't. You just don't care. You don't give a, a D and that's the reality. And God says your arrogance, just like what I just read out of Malachi. You think it's foolish to worship God. You think it's foolish to even take time to be on the phone to listen to God. All right, we got to move on. We got to move on. Now we're going to talk about the last piece, the coin, the bling, the profits, the money, the money, the money, the money. Everybody talks about one the profit. They want to make money. They want to make some money, not just make a little money, make some big money. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, because many of y'all have heard this scripture. I'm going to read it in the living um, translation, and then I'm going to read in the English standard version. It says, verse 16, I mean, Matthew 16, verse 26. What profit is there if you gain the whole world? Remember those kingdoms and all that glory that Satan was offering Christ and Christ turned it down. He just, he offers it every day in every kind of manner in all of those wickedness ways of unseen things that you don't realize. He's always tempting you to accuse you, to give you that understanding that, hey, if you just worship and bow down to Satan and reject God, reject Christ, he's going to give you such great things, great house, great land, great bank account, great longevity in the 401k, great, all this stuff, but it's a lie of the devil. And it says in Matthew 16, 26, what profit is there if you gain the whole world and lose eternal life? Many of us are not living past 120 years old. Really? You really? So in this 120 or less years that we have on this earth, Lord willing, you're going to give up eternity that goes on Time without end. This little bit of time. A day is like a thousand years with God. A thousand years is like a day with God, excuse me. 
but we're going to give it up for this little blink of time. Our eternal salvation and toss it away for this time, short little time, and find ourselves in a lake of fire with, with Satan and all his demonic host. What can be compared with the value of eternal life? Here's the other version of it, English Standard. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Now, this other scripture is very similar. Luke 9, 25. And what profit is there in gaining the whole world when it means forfeiting oneself? For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? People are giving themselves over to money and to doing things with money. It's not just the drug dealers that are doing it. It's not just the prostitutes. You know, we always put them in the bad category. Oh, you're doing wrong because you're going to go to jail. You're going to get caught by the police, the popo. But in reality, a lot of people are doing a lot of things that are evil and not of God. You just had situations where you saw evil. You saw things that were not of God, that were ungodly. And this is not about left and right and partisan and Republican and Democrat. This is about spiritual wickedness in high places all around this globe. And people are saying, I'd rather have the money and live life large with my bling bling than to follow after God. The last scriptures. When you do that, you go to the devil's end. And the devil acts like he's big and bad now, but there's a time that's coming through eternity. After those thousand years, he is going to think he could battle God because he always thought he was big and bad. And he deserved to be on the throne. That's why he wants all of these people to be fooled and deceived and think that the riches and being a fat cat is going to have some eternal dividends and it's going to find that they're going to be in hell with Satan. Now it says in Revelations 20 verse 7, and when the thousand years are ended, he's been in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Listen to Reverend's Friday night teachings. You'll have more understanding. Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. That's all the people that are going to be with him that are going to say, I have bowed and I worship him and I don't want to be a part of Christ. And they would have had an opportunity for a thousand years to be in the millennial reign to hear Christ and the truth and the order and all that he had to offer. But there's going to be like the sand of the sea, those who reject Christ. Don't you remember the scripture? Kiss the son lest he be angry. You're going to see God show up here. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire, fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Day and night forever and ever. Day and night, forever and ever. Where's all that kingdoms, all that bowing worship now? But the people that followed, the people that wanted to be fat cats for this little duration of time. Verse 11 of Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. 
From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and, the, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, this is a time that you need to really do a self-examination. People that are Christians, there are things that we have to repent on. People that don't know Christ, we need to repent and get saved and recognize who Christ is. But for those who think that their money is going to save them, that their money is going to be something that's going to impress God, you are wrong. Only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and through your belief and repentance of your sin and acknowledging who Christ Jesus is as the only begotten son of God, only in your confession and asking him to come into your life for you to be saved through his blood, not because of the bling that you have, not because of your bank account or your 401k or your houses or your lands or your cars or your, your jewelry. None of that matters. None of that matters. You must be born again and have a personal, real, genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He knowing you and you knowing him. So it's my prayer that you take the time. This is your eternal salvation we're talking about. Go before God. Just have a talk and ask him to help you. Help you see who he is. See what he wants to be in your life. This tiny fraction of time that we're all looking through, a tiny window of time, specks in the eyes of God, the almighty God. He's seeing eternity and he's saying, I want those of you to accept his son, his free gift of eternal salvation. Choose life, he says. There's a choice between death and life and he's saying choose life while Satan is saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you everything you need. But he's, he's, he's. He's, he's a con and he's going to take you to the lake of fire and be in hell if you don't understand that you must have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved and have a right relationship and connection to God the Father. I love you and Lord willing, I'll see you next week. Please be in prayer for my dear niece Pam and my relatives that are not well, including my husband. God bless you and I'll see you next week, Lord willing.